It's time to swing into the golf world of today. I don't think I've had this much fun on a golf show. The Pro Show with Keith Stewart, sponsored by TaylorMade. Terrific voice, and you have enthusiasm. Now your host, the director of fun. Give me that guy all day, he's the best. Keith Stewart. Good afternoon, and welcome to The Pro Show. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. Thank you for tuning in to ESPN 920. Well, we have the first round of the playoffs of the FedEx Cup. The St. Jude Championship is down in Memphis. We got a cool event going on over in Ireland for the LPGA and the DP World Tour, the ISPS Hand of World Invitational. Judge Beth goes viral on Twitter as she decides the fate of three live golfers. And as we learned this week, the Super Bowl is now in August. So let's fire up the pro show. Time to fire up golf's most entertaining hour. I'm gonna win big, choose not to like of imitation. As you can tell there, Mr. Wade Weezer, there's a lot to get to this week. The, uh, I, I couldn't contain it all in the opening before Anthony got to the lyrics. That's when you know it's going to be a packed show. Oh, man, it's action-packed. So let's get right into it. Uh, we got to talk a little bit about, well, you know what? We're going to have a special weekly update to, co- to go over all the happenings that happened in the courtroom out in San Jose when okay. Judge Beth Labson Freeman became an ap- absolute social media superstar. Uh, wait do you hear what happened out there. Um, we'll get to it after our interview. We have an amazing interview. We got to be quick today because uh, I want to spend a bunch of time with Beth Ann Nichols. She's a senior writer for Golf Week. She's covered the LPGA for 20 years. The LPGA just wrapped up their fifth and final major of the year. All nine majors for the men and women are done. Uh, I'm gonna have, we're going to do a little mid-season report card, check in with her. Oh, nice. uh, I saw her a couple weeks ago at the KPMG, and she said, you know, we gotta, we got to talk again. I said, yeah, so uh, we saved her a Friday. She's coming on. We're going to have a ton of fun with her. Um, she and I can get a bit chatty, so I'm, 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 I'm afraid of that. So we're, we're going to jump from this as quick as we can. Uh, but after, we hit up on the leaderboard. So speaking of the LPGA, they have a cool event going on over in Ireland. I mentioned this in the opening. It's tri-sanctioned, which means that's uh, a fancy term for saying that the ladies are playing with the DP World Tour men, the European Tour men. They're playing with the ladies European Tour, the Let Tour, and then the LPGA. So there's three tours playing. The men and women play side by side at the same venues. There's two courses, uh, Galgorm Castle and Masserine Golf Club. Uh, they're over there just uh, north of Dublin in Northern Ireland. And 120 men, 120 women, 72 holes. After 36 holes, the top 60 of each, the men and women make the cut. And then after 54 holes on Saturday, the top 35 each make the cut. And then they play. This is the cool part about it. They play for a $3 million purse, which is split in half. Okay. So just to give you an idea, a normal purse on the let tour is probably around 40 grand for first place. Right. And the LPGA, it's usually around 250. So I think the winner this week gets around 300 for both the men and the women. The, the, pur- the purse is completely split down the middle. And uh, we have, after round one, we have an American leading, Amanda Doherty. She is quickly followed by Emily Christine Pedersen. Uh, Emma- Amanda Doherty was at six under. Emily Christine Pedersen is at five under. Um, two big names in the tournament, Georgia Hall and Leona McGuire, are both at five under. Leona McGuire is probably the highest ranked player in the field. Um, some of the ladies and some of the guys over there are taking a week off. But uh, we do have a, a great field of young talent, and it's a pretty cool idea what they're doing with this. And I kind of love it. I, I, I think when the men and the women are at the same venue, 
it's it's doing the right thing because you know when you talk about major championships and the ladies are at washington dc and the men are over in uh, i don't know chicago or something like that it's unlike like what we're about to experience with the tennis us open you know where everyone's at the same venue so right. I, I think it's i think it's one of those things where um it's kind of cool that they're doing this and they're bringing everybody together Quickly, let's get to the FedEx St. Jude round one. I know they're in the middle of round two right now. So these are the scores from last night. Siwoo Kim eagles the 18th hole from 168 yards out, shoots eight under. So does J.J. Spawn. They're leading at 62. Sahith Tagala, 63. Notables in the field. Tony Finau, after two back-to-back wins and then a week off, he's still hot. Six under, 64. Sam Burns, five under, 65. At three under, you've got Victor Hovland, J.T., Cam Smith. Uh, more on him this week. Cantlay, Morikawa, John Rahm just had a baby. Two under, you got the X-Man, Xander, even par, Rory and Spieth. Uh, plus one, you've got number one in the FedEx Cup rankings at Scotty Scheffler and uh, the young gun, Will Zalatoris. 76 guys under par, a little birdie fest going on down there in Memphis. Top 65 in ties will make it through to the weekend after today. Top 70 in points make it through stage one uh, at the completion of this week. So 55 guys out of the top 125 are going to get cut. But there's a lot of volatility. I mean, if you're 80th, you get quadruple the number of FedEx Cup points this week than you would on a normal week. So if you remember last year when, when Tony Finau won, he jumped up to like fifth. Right. in the FedEx Cup playoff rankings, which, you know, gave him kind of a green light to go and win this thing. So um, big week. I mean, the PGA Tour has officially accomplished what they want, which is to get people playing all three weeks and to be like, you know, just trying to win these things from the start because um, they get a huge advantage when they go to the, the Tour Championship. Now, speaking of a huge advantage in the world of golf, we've got to talk, of course, about our friends that we know and love, and that's the New Jersey Golf Foundation. The charitable arm of the New Jersey PGA section is committed to positively impacting lives and communities through the game of golf. The foundation recently opened the Inspiration Golf Range located on the Lions campus of the VA New Jersey Healthcare System in Burns Township. The multi-purpose facility, which is open to the public, will host golf programming for youth, veterans, and individuals with special needs. To support the foundation or learn more about programs and special events, please visit NewJerseyGolfFoundation.org or call 732-465-1212. I wasn't kidding, folks. We got a lot to get to today, including... Beth Ann Nichols, the senior scribe for over there at Golf Week, covering the LPGA for over 20 years. Not even 310 this afternoon. Thanks for tuning in to ESPN 920. Be back in a couple moments. John Johnson, Jay Williams, and Zubin Mahente. All NFL players get paid a lot. You're not going to get paid more than me, though, because I'm the guy. Clearing it out, y'all take care of me. Spoken like a true wide receiver. Way to go, Roscoe (laughs) Jenkins, team of me. His name is first on the show, so we get it. You know, we get it. Me, Sean, as they like to call me, for those that don't know me. But anyway. Sean, J. Will, and Zubin. Weekday mornings at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio or streaming live on the ESPN app. The New Jersey Golf Foundation, the charitable arm of the New Jersey PGA section, is committed to positively impacting lives and communities through the game of golf. 
With a focus on three core pillars, youth, military, and special needs, the NJGF delivers dynamic programming led by PGA professionals. So individuals from all backgrounds can experience the game of golf in a welcoming environment. An exciting new development is coming soon as the Inspiration Golf Range on the campus of the Lions VA Medical Center in Somerset County will serve as a new golf training facility for Special Olympics New Jersey, as well as the new home site for the PGA Hope, a rehabilitative golf program for veterans. To support the New Jersey Golf Foundation or learn more about programs and special events, please visit NewJerseyGolfFoundation.org or call 732-465-1212. That's NewJerseyGolfFoundation.org or 732-465-1212. Time to get back on course as the Pro Show continues. Great show and great questions. Once again, Keith Stewart. Welcome back to the Pro Show. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. You're listening to ESPN 920. Golf's greatest lady storyteller is joining me this afternoon. Her passion for portraying the game is infectious. Good times are ahead as Golf Week's Beth Ann Nichols and I give the LPGA midseason report card. Here's a hint. The grades are good. Beth Ann, welcome back to the Pro Show. So good to have you on this fabulous Friday afternoon. How are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Well, you know what? When it comes to the LPGA, there's nobody better. And we just finished their major season. So, you know, I love to jump right into these interviews. One of the most significant stories of the year is going to be the women playing at Mirfield when we look back to 2022. Can you explain for my listeners why this is such a big deal? Well, you know, it's it's a big deal, not just, I think, for women's golf, but for all of women's sport, really, when you look at the significance that Muirfield has in the game itself, how long it took for females to be to have the opportunity to become members at Muirfield. And really, it was only because the RNA threatened to take away any future Open Championships off the road for the men <laughs> that they had to have a, a revote in 2017 to sure so the membership could could bring women in. And then all of a sudden, not only were were, fem- were there female members at Muirfield, but the course was now on the AIG Women's British Open Rota. So uh, for the, it marked the first time that that a female professional tournament has been held at Muirfield. And, and like I said, it was only in 2019 that the first, you know, quote unquote, class of female members arrived. So it's, it's all really new. And and it was, I thought, fantastic that you had a South African and Ashley Buhai winning when there have been two legendary players and Gary Player and Ernie Els from South Africa winning at Muirfield prior. So there was that beautiful symmetry between the men and the women. And now now the women are part of the fabric, the history of the game. You know, one of the things I love to do is try to figure out who's going to win these contests. And I looked at the legendary list of champions and I was like, how are they going to weave? I mean, because history always repeats itself. I was like, how is this going to weave? And you use the beautiful word there, symmetry, right? Obviously a great writer. 20 years <laughs> with Golf Week. We're blessed to have you with us today. But, you know, I, I the South African, you know, kind of tie there is really neat. But who could have ever seen that coming? I mean, her first win um, four playoff holes. She played the 18th hole eight times in the week, um, getting up and down from the circular, very, you know, famous bunker there on 18 at Mirfield. Just just such a very, very cool story. Uh, walking away from such a momentous major, 
What's your biggest takeaway from Muirfield? When do we get to go back? <laughs> we we meeting the women. <laughs> you know, I think, you know, I, I just think that, uh, you know, as you say, Ashley Buhai was certainly not on anyone's radar to, to win this championship. And what was so cool was early in the week during a practice round, Ashley, who, who lives now in South Florida and plays some money games with Ernie Els, is is Googling to look at a YouTube video of Ernie hitting this famous bunker shot on the 13th hole. And, of course, he had a great up and down on the 18th hole as well. So she's watching Ernie for inspiration while she's on the golf course to see, you know, how he did it now that she's there in person looking at it. And then she goes and has this incredible up and down from the bunker on the fourth playoff hole that surely will be replayed for for decades to come. So I just, that's what I, especially what I meant about symmetry is just so, so cool how, you know, she, there will be generations of, of women in the future who will look back on the shot that Ashley had there in this historic moment, because this will be a moment that will be talked about, I think forever in golf, because it is just like when the women played the old course for the first time and Lorena Ochoa won in 2007, that's a moment that that will never be forgotten in, in golf history. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a really cool point there about how she looked back through YouTube and watched and learned. And, you know, you can remember the Tiger stories about how he got the old videotapes about Augusta National before 97 and he was studying things. It's amazing how the modern player uses technology to their advantage. And, you know, everyone makes a big deal about TrackMan or whatever, but you know, I, I mean, it's just it's just kind of cool the way that golf has evolved in so many ways. Now, speaking of the evolution of golf, course equity is what we're talking about here. You know, that's the macro theme of what's going on. It's it it really is. You know, we talk about purse equity a lot, but there's also course equity. And we've had a really good year as far as that goes. Do you feel that course equity is finally catching up? Uh, you've been covering the ladies for over two decades. So, you know, I. I feel like in the last two or three years, we're really getting somewhere. Do you feel the same way? Oh, a hundred percent. You know, you, you look ahead to next year, the women are playing Pebble Beach for the first time for the U.S. Women's Open, going to Baltusrol. If it's not the first time, in some cases, it's the first time since most people have been alive because it was way back in the, you know, the 30s or the 40s or before the, the LPGA, you know, even was even formed. That That was the last time the women played some of these courses. So, uh, you know, Oakmont, Marion, all these are so important for the LPGA to get to. Of course, 2024, they're going back for, for the to the old course for the AIG Women's British Open. You know, I think that if you didn't know Ashley Buhai, you pro- which you probably didn't, <laughs> let's be honest, unless you were a South African, because she was the face of women's golf. She was a prodigy. She won the South African Open at Women's Open at age 14. She She won everything as a kid. But... If you didn't know Ashley, chances are you probably tuned in to see Muirfield <laughs> because there hasn't been an, an open championship held at Muirfield since Phil Mickelson won in 2013. And you want to see the golf course, just like the Augusta National Women's Amateur. People are tuning into that on NBC on a Saturday afternoon to get a sneak preak of, of Augusta National. And so, you know, and then while you're watching, oh, wow, I, you know, this is an interesting story. What a golf swing, you know, while, while you're there checking out the golf course, you know, like like the women's Zams at Chambers Bay right now. People are super curious how different Chambers Bay is compared to 2015 when Jordan Spieth won. It was super controversial. 
they've made a lot of changes. What does it look like now? You know, and then while you're there, you meet Rachel Heck, you meet Mega Gane, you know, you meet all the, the wonderful American stars that are coming through the ranks and, and some crazy good 13 year olds. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I've been very fortunate to meet Mega Gane here in New Jersey a couple of times and how impressive is she? I mean, it's just, uh, I mean, we'll talk about we'll talk about the youth and women's golf in a minute. But um, just man, like like you said, there's so many amazing names. While we're on the subject of equity, just real briefly, there's a cool event going on in Ireland right now. Now, it's the week after a major. And I know there's always a lot of letdown and coverage and different things like that. But the, the DP World Tour, the LET, the Ladies European Tour and the LPGA have tri sanctioned this event. And it's a pretty cool thing. Um do you feel like something like this? And just to explain what's happening, folks, the the DP World Tour, which is the men's European tour, is splitting a $3 million purse with the ladies in half. So the winners will get the same prize. And they're playing a 72-hole tournament over in Ireland. And it's kind of a cool thing. Um, how does something like this take off, in your opinion? Well, I think, you know, when you look at, like, the Scandinavian mixed, for example, you know, actually Australian, they have had several of these events in Australia as well, that Australia is really at the forefront of a lot of the, of these great ideas. And then, you know, people, people latch onto them because they're great. But, you know, when, when you look at the ladies European tour, for example, Lynn Grant won like $30,000 on the LET on just a solo LET event. Then a little while later, she's playing the Scandinavian Mix, which is just like this week, a DP World Tour event co-sanctioned with the LET. She wins that. She beats the men. They're, in that event, they're playing. the men are playing against the women, head-to-head, same course, different sets of tees. She beats the field by nine and wins $300,000. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, for the women, especially on the Ladies European Tour, it really changes the amount of money that they're playing for. But, you know, if you're... This week, Leona McGuire is the biggest name in the field for the men and the women. <laughs> she's she's the highest ranked player. She's, you know, she won on the LPGA. They threw a ticker tape parade for her after she led Europe to the Solheim Cup victory last year. You know, became the first Irish player to win on the LPGA earlier this year. The president called, you know, I mean, she's a big deal. And so it's really cool that when you go to the DP Tour, DP World Tour website at the start of this week, it was Leona's face. It was the biggest face on the men's European tour webpage, which, which I mean, you know, those are just the intangibles that mean so much to the women's game. You bring up a cool point there, how she's featured on the men's webpage for the DP world tour. And that kind of brings me to what I want to ask you a question about, because the course equity is one part of what's going on in the world of um, professional women's golf, but it's also purse equity. And I have this kind of theory that I feel like women's golf can really be um, the, the primary engine behind purse equity in women's professional sports. It seems like it's the easiest one for us to make that jump from what the women or professionals are being paid, whether it be soccer or tennis or anything else, basketball, and then jump to the men's level. Um, you're on tour all the time. You're seeing this. You're hearing all the background on the stories. You, you hear the stories about the sponsors. It, can the women really set the tone and get us to a point where we're as close as we're going to get with purse equity? You know, it's a great question. I, I mean, honestly, tennis is miles ahead in this one with their 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 grand slams, their majors, right? I mean, they 
that they play for massive amounts of money. The women do, and they and they're on at the same time on television. You know, they're talked about in the same uh, segments during during like the U.S. Open or Wimbledon. You know, it's it's a, it's a very different vibe. And so we we had that sort of kind of with Pinehurst, but it was back to back weeks. They weren't being held simultaneously. So. You know, I, I do think that it's just more difficult for golf to be able to do that because because there aren't very many venues that could, number one, have majors going on simultaneously or even in back-to-back weeks. But I do think that the bar is definitely being raised. Uh, the USGA, of course, bringing the, the U.S. Women's Open purse to $10 million this year. That was huge. KPMG follows, bringing it up to $9 million. You know, All the majors have raised the bar. And, and I, you know, but I do think the... Overall, the women play for a fifth of the money that the men play for. And with Liv coming in as as a big obstacle for, for the PGA Tour, they're throwing even more money. So the women got really behind the, the eight ball here when Tiger came along because Nancy Lopez thought she would see in her lifetime of her career equal equal pay. But then Tiger just... They, the, the money took off like a rocket and the LPGA couldn't get there. And then now it feels like Liv's going to going to push the bar even further for for the women because obviously it's not going to be the same for the women they don't have those kinds of resources everyone that's listening this afternoon you can tell why we've had this guest on bethann nichols senior writer for golf week you're coming back with the tennis knowledge and i think you're bringing up a really good point i know i read this week that when serena announced that this was going to be her last u.s open that afternoon they sold like fifteen thousand tickets in a couple hours so maybe tennis is a little ahead of us, but I still think one of these female individual sports can make the biggest jump versus maybe the team sports, whether it be soccer or women's basketball, et cetera. I don't know. Time will tell. There's no doubt about that. Uh, let's get back to some of these really cool stories that have happened this year. The major season's over. We've played all five of them. All right. What was your favorite major story of 2022? Oh, goodness. Well, this isn't my favorite story, but it's the one that stands out the most to me. And that's that's Lexi Thompson's heartbreak at Congressional, where it, you know, it looked like the tournament was hers. And she, you know, she was going to finally overcome the demons from the Women's Open last year when she blew a five shot lead on the back nine. And, you know, she's got this two stroke lead with like three holes to play Congressional. And it looks like you know, she might get it done and then it just all comes unraveling again. And so, so that, that's something we won't forget. Uh, you know, I think the bittersweet moment, of course, of the year, we have to go to the start of the year at the Chevron championship where the women are playing the dinosaur tournament course for the final time, the last dip into Poppy's pond, you know, Jennifer Cupcho, nice little symmetry there where she, be, she becomes the first to win at Augusta National as an amateur, the first female to ever hoist a trophy at Augusta National, and then the last uh, to win at, at the Dinosaur, potentially the last, we assume the last, <laughs> at the Dinosaur Tournament course, um, you know, obviously a tournament rich in history in the LPGA. And what was really cool, the cameras went off, and, and unless you were standing there in person, you didn't see it. But after Jennifer jumped, a number of the legends jumped at Patty Sheehan, Sandra Palmer, uh, Amy Alcott, 
And it was so cool because Patty Sheehan did this amazing front flip into Poppy's Pond that just absolutely blew me away. I had, and I videoed it. I kept watching it over and over, trying to slow it down. I was like, did she really just do that? Did I really see that? I mean, it was incredible. It was the most athletic thing I've seen. There was like, there's like a springboard there or anything. <laughs> it was remarkable. <laughs> You know, I saw that post of yours on social media this week and I and I had to like literally do the same thing you were talking about. I had to slow it down. I go, she wrote that she flipped. I go, but I'm like, how old is Patty Sheehan flipping? Because like, um, you know, I, I that week, I that week, I generally t- try to talk to Amy Alcott and mm-hmm. she's always she's the first one that jumped. Right. And then it skipped a couple of years and then she won again and she jumped again. And then the tradition started. I think it was when she won in 93. But so like. It's just it's just one of the coolest things. I mean, Jerry Pate did it at, when he won the first ever players at TPC Sawgrass. Remember, he threw in Dean Beeman and then mm-hmm. uh, Pete Dye jumped in. I mean, like stuff like that for, for people like you and I that cover the game, make it so much fun and make it so much like it's impulsive. And like it's like, oh, I'm going to jump in this lake because it's here because I just achieved like a career dream. I, I think it's so cool. Um, everyone's going to miss that leap. And I hope they don't do something like like put a pool next to, you know, where they host a Chevron next year. You know what I mean? Like create your own tradition, create a new tradition. But, but that was definitely one of the coolest. There's no doubt about that. Um, You know, while I have you talking about majors, I always have this question. We have this idea due to tennis, due to men's golf, that there should be four majors, right? The women have five. Do you think five is too many or do you think all five get their due? Does the Evian, because it's in France, maybe it's not. I'm, I don't know. The men are always trying to, I mean, maybe the men need to talk to the ladies because they're always trying to get the players up to a fifth one, but no one seems to make that jump. Is five too many? Yes, but I guess you kind of have to understand how Evian became a major to, it's not like, it's not like everybody was like, oh, wow, we really need to add a fifth major. That That's not at all how it came about, you know, and, and I, I really look at it as it was a necessary thing that Mike Wan had to do um, because Evian wanted to become a major. And, you know, at a time when when it looked like a lot of the LPGA majors were in grave danger, this was before the RNA was part of the Women's British Open and before the PGA of America was part of the KPMG Women's PGA. And you wondered if the LPGA championship was going to go away. You know, they lost the McDonald's sponsorship. You know, they, they turned the Wegmans event into a major and we all wore these lanyards that said it's major on them to remind you that the Wegmans is now a major. Like it was, it was bad. So, you know, it, it seemed like Juan had no choice at that point because, you know, it looked like he was potentially going to lose majors. Kraft left the, the now Chevron championship, the Nabisco, you know, that was a big deal. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, Stacey Lewis, you know, doesn't play. She boycotts. We haven't seen Lexi play the last few years at Evian. You know, it's not not every player is thrilled. Uh, you know, they, a lot of a lot of them don't like the golf course. Don't think it's a major championship caliber golf course. But, you know, Evian was there when when a lot of sponsors weren't. And they were putting up big purses before it became in vogue. And so... Um, you know, you have to give them credit for for loving the LPGA when a lot of people didn't. Well, you know what? We're going to give some more love to the LPGA in a minute. But, Beth, you got to give me a quick second to give some love to those sponsors. So hold tight for a second. Everyone, up next more with Golf Week's genuine scribe, Beth Ann Nichols. Thanks for listening to ESPN 
920. Mike Greenberg is Greeny. Chris Paul is one of those guys whose numbers, if you look at them, are so good that they almost seem made up. You know, he was never on the best team all those years in New Orleans, wasn't able to go to the Lakers, winds up on the Clippers, then they fell short. But now here he is, the veteran presence on this otherwise very young Phoenix team. It would mean everything to his legacy. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, weekday mornings at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and watch exclusively on ESPN+. Is there a better feeling than winning a bet? Take it from a professional, a PGA professional like Keith Stewart. When it comes to wagering on golf, you need to know more than analytics. Stats are just a description of a player's habits. But what causes those habits to repeat? There are other elements you need to consider to raise your betting acumen. If you're the type of person who loves to learn and earn by wagering, then you must read the line. With an easy-to-understand newsletter format, in five minutes a week, you can bet with confidence, knowing the picks are made by a golf professional. Golf betting lacks an expert voice. Read the Line brings over 25 years of experience in the golf industry to every prediction. Players are not an exact science, and neither is betting. But when you consider the human element of the game alongside facts and figures, you'll be able to elevate your winning reputation. Go to ReadTheLine.com to subscribe, read, and win. That's ReadTheLine.com. you got a great voice for radio. Time to get back on course. Thanks for radio. I, I get a lot of that, too. As the Pro Show continues, once again, Keith Stewart. It's the Pro Show, and I'm Keith Stewart. Welcome back to our conversation with Beth Ann Nichols. You know you're listening to New Jersey's ESPN 920. Now, our playlist this afternoon has dual purposes. First, a little fun as the ladies of the LPGA are always impressing us with their confidence on the course. And the other is a tribute to Beth Ann's dad. She recently had to say goodbye. And as a father myself to a beautiful daughter, I imagine our guest has heard this message once or twice before from dear old dad. Okay, Beth Ann, welcome back to the Pro Show on Friday afternoon. Are you feeling good today? Or what's going on? <laughs> well, I have to say that uh, thank you for the, the Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons that my dad's all-time favorite band and and has brought me a lot of comfort in recent months. And I don't go to the driving range with, without my my uh, playlist of Frankie Valley. My dad actually was a lifeguard back in college and the band would stay in Clearwater where he, where he was working at that particular hotel and he got to know them all and, um, and, and went to a lot of their shows. And so, so that, that music brings me a lot of comfort. (laughs) How cool is that? I had heard a story. Um, you know, we have a lot of insiders here on the pro show and, uh, <laughs> yeah, I got a little behind the scenes information. So, uh, I'm so happy that, um, that, that brought a smile to your face. Now, my next subject that I have to touch upon no longer really brings a smile to my face. In fact, I'm starting to get to that point where it, like enough's enough, but the court case was pretty entertaining this week. We don't need to talk about that, but I want to talk about how live and the LPGA have been rumored to say maybe they want to talk. Molly said, maybe I'd be happy to talk to them. Overall, big picture, just looking at this situation, is the LPGA, could they benefit from something like Liv? Well, I think it's important, first of all, to understand the context of all this uh, and how it came about. Uh, When you you look at the fact that Greg Norman has said repeatedly that 100% drop the mic, there will be a live women's league. And so when he makes statements like that in the media, you know, then, you know, naturally Molly's Molly Marcus Amon, the LPGA commissioner is going to be asked the question, would you take the call? Would you talk to Greg Norman? Because 
famously, <laughs> Jay Monahan and the PGA Tour did not sit down. And so you have to also understand that the LPGA is technically already partners with Saudi Golf. When you look at the fact that the LET and the LPGA are part of a 50-50 joint venture that's been going on for several years now. And the LET has six events on its schedule that are funded by the Aramco. The Aramco team series with presenting partner is the PIF, presented by the PIF. So all this money is coming out of, you know, the Saudi government that backs, you know, these events, which are four, the purses on the LET for those particular events are four times the size of an average purse on the LET. So they're big money events. If you're if you're playing in Europe, you're pretty much forced to play for Saudi money, whether you want to or not, if you want to keep your tour card. And they also pay a lot of nice appearance fees to LPGA players to come play in these events around the world. So the Court of Scissors, for example, are going to play uh, in Spain later this year. Last year they played in, in, uh, in the, the event in New York City, which will be again in October. You know, a lot of LPGA players have... have you know, played in these events. In fact, Lydia Ko won in Saudi Arabia last year. So, you know, I think a lot of players want her to do this. Molly said she would take the call and that I talked to her like a week ago. And as of then they had, they had not reached out to the LPGA, but the players want them to have this phone call to see what it is that, that they're thinking, because the reality is if they were to create a mirror image tour with 48 players and play 14 events, and have that for the women. Let's say, for example, the women played in the morning and the men played in the afternoon at these sites around the world. Or let's say they had um, them them teeing off, you know, the a, a men a group of four men at eight ten and a group of four women at 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 eight twenty. And or you you could even mix the genders together in the same foursome. There are all kinds of things that could be done, and that would really hurt the LPGA to take its top fifty stars basically. And, you know, most top players only play 20 to 24 events a year. If 14 of those are live events, you add five majors. Just think of what that does to the rest of the LPGA schedule. So um, that's why there needs to be a conversation. You know, I'm so happy I'm talking to you about this because you really opened my mind to how almost the LPGA could in many ways help (laughs) – the public relations of live at this point, if they brought, if live brought the ladies in and they held events where the ladies and the men were incorporated together. I mean, there's so much negative talk around the Saudi investment fund being the money behind this. And, you know, we know where all that conversation goes. If this became more of a blended equity, gender mixed event where you know, everyone was, you know, really being supported and promoted, both sides, men and women. That could be very interesting sort of direction for all of this to go, don't you think? Well, on the one hand, I would say, going back to your previous question, could the women have equal purses? Who could do it? The Saudis. The Saudis could yeah. offer 14 equal purses to the men and the women, and that would be groundbreaking. It would also be extraordinarily controversial when you look at the fact that the human rights records specifically toward women in Saudi Arabia are horrific. And I recently talked to a, 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 you know, one of the, uh, the Saudi Arabian activists who was part of the Right to Drive campaign uh, you know, to, to, to help women be able to drive in Saudi Arabia. And she, she fled the country ultimately because she was concerned for her safety because those women who 
who actually fought for that are, are still on trial. So even, even though women can drive in Saudi Arabia, the women who fought for that right are still on trial, are still unable to travel, you know, are, are being persecuted. And, and that's just one small snippet of what goes on over there. So for a lot of women, it would be a really difficult thing to feel that, you know, if you're that the LPGA was had a primary backer, you know, that was, you know, the Saudi Arabia was the chief sponsor for the tour if they were to collaborate together. Um, but, you know, the, re- the stone cold reality is most of the top players on tour would take the crazy amount of money. And and while you have men talking about how this is life changing generational money that, you know, that allows them to spend more time with their family and all this stuff that makes us all roll our eyes because we know that's all a bunch of lineup of fooey. For the women, that actually is true. You know, they don't, the women don't have these incredible pensions, the best pension program in all of sports that the men have. You know, most, most women on tour will have to have another job. They will have to, when they retire, they, they can't, they don't, they're not making enough money to just ride off into the sunset at, at 35. And most women actually stop playing if they do have children and keep competing they stop playing once their children get into school. So when they reach like five and, and they can no longer travel with them week to week, they stop, they retire or they play a very, very limited schedule. So if you were to say to some of these players, you know, say the 30th player on, on the money list, hey, you can make enough money that you could retire in five years and have your family and never work again. So there, uh, many of them will say, sign me up, you know, because that is life changing. So, you know, it's just so unfortunate that to be given an opportunity like that, but then have to weigh it against what it means from a, um, a, a moral standpoint, because for a lot of women, they're very uncomfortable to have that, to be working directly for the Saudi government. So it, it's tough. Yeah, there's just so many layers to that onion. And the good with the bad is definitely obviously it's just it's, it's just one of these tremendous, tremendous conversations that's taking place in our world right now with so many interesting so, so many interesting points of view. Um, I'm so happy you shared that with all of us because I think that it definitely enlightens my listeners on kind of where things stand. And it goes back to a lot of what we talked about today, whether it's the courses or the purses. I mean, all of these things need to be elevated. The LPGA has a tremendous product. There's no doubt about that. You and I both love it. There's been a million, there's been a thousand brilliant stories this year. Let's change gears for a second, right? Which one of those stories in your mind stands out the most? Well, it actually didn't happen on the golf course. <laughs> it happened right before the Chevron uh, in terms of like Tuesday or Wednesday of, of that week where the LPJ announced that the 13 founders would be part of their Hall of Fame uh, for the first time because at, at that point only five founders were part of the LPJ Hall of Fame. So that was a big deal. And and also Lorena Ochoa would finally get to become part of the Hall of Fame. And they were going to get rid of that that antiquated 10 year rule where you had to play 10 years on the LPGA in order to qualify. And Lorena, of course, going back to our previous conversation, retired to start a family. So she she earned her 27 points that are required to get in the Hall of Fame, but she didn't play long enough to 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 meet all of the criteria. So they got rid of that. 10-year rule, which I was super excited about, been beating that drum for years. And I was thrilled that they got especially Shirley Spork into the Hall of Fame while she was still alive. She, of course, died uh, just uh, just two weeks later after she found out that she was going to be 
put into the LPGA Hall of Fame. So it's unfortunate that she didn't actually get to have a celebration of that moment. But to have them go in as a group together, I think was so meaningful. I wish Marilyn, Marilyn Smith had been alive to have that recognition. Uh, you know, I just think, you know, obviously there wouldn't be a tour if it wasn't for these 13 ladies back in 1950 who basically did it all uh, to, to, make, to make this tour happen in a, in a very inclusive and trailblazing, courageous way. Tremendous story. And that's why I wanted to ask the question, because most of us, we think about the competitive stories and, you know, kind of the macro sense and the the 30,000 foot view of of where you take things all the time and you're writing there at Golf Week. You know, I knew you'd come up with something great. And I'm so happy you shared that with my listeners. Now, if my listeners wanted to follow you a little bit more, I know they can find you at Golf Week, your senior writer there. But social media is there one platform you use. What's your handle? How can they how can they keep up with Patty Sheehan doing somersaults? <laughs> yes, my Twitter handle is is Golf Week Nichols. My Instagram is mostly just pictures of my dog, Molly, <laughs> my golden retriever. So unless you just want to see a bunch of Molly pictures, there used to be a lot of golf on there, but it's really morphed into Molly, but uh, the Molly feed, but, but golf week Nichols on Twitter is, is 98% golf and 2% Molly. <laughs> well, you know, there's a lot of studies in analytics about increasing followers. If you add more cats and dogs to your feed. So <laughs> You might want to think about it there, you know. Well, you're, we're, we're having a good chuckle here. And one of the things I want to do, and I always do, but you've been on the show before, so I've, I've given you the usual rapid-fire treatment. So this was what I want to do this week while you're here and we wrap up today's interview, is that I wanted to do like a little bit of a mid-season report card and maybe ask you a couple questions just about the LPGA to see where to see where we could take this and have some fun and, and have a couple more laughs this afternoon. So you have to have some fun with me there, Bethann? Let's do it. All right. Here we go. Question number one. Player of the year to date in 2022. Yeah, that's got to be Minji Lee. You know, her performances in the majors, you know, first, obviously, the the only dominating win of the season at the majors at the U.S. Women's Open. uh, Finished runner up, of course, at the KPMG Women's PGA at yet another top five at the Women's British Open. And she won one of the biggest, you know, regular season events of the year in the Cognizant Founders Cup. Just a beautiful display of of consistent golf this year. If it was a Solheim Cup year, right, and you could pick a partner to play in the team event, who would you choose? Oh, man. You know, I'd pick Jennifer Cupcho, right? I mean, she, she won a major this year. She had a great rookie Solheim debut Last year at Inverness, alongside Lizette Salas, uh, boy, she's a fighter. I mean, I, I don't know that I'd say a whole heck of a lot. I just I just let her run the show. <laughs> All right. Well, let's say she gives you the right to choose. You guys get a walk-up song at the Solheim Cup. What walk-up song are you picking? Oh, man, that's so hard. Um, born in the USA, I guess. It's the Solheim Cup, right? <laughs> All right yeah, no, I mean, I love it. The quick response too. You had that one in the queue. All right, most impu- most improved player in 2022. So you know, I'm going to have to go with a player that might m- might not be familiar with your listeners, which is why she's the most improved, and that's Lilia Vu, uh, former UCLA standout, considered 
uh, leaving the game, uh, you know, it was not too long ago, just a few years ago. Graduated from the Epson Tour, was ranked in the 250-somethings at the start of the year, and has, you know, just catapulted up the rankings, playing a very consistent year of golf, and uh, and secured her card easily for next year. And, and it seems like a player, you know, who, who could win soon. Best player caddy team on tour right now. Oh, my goodness. Best player caddy team. You know, honestly, I... I I know that she's she hasn't won well she won last year but but NB Park is no longer the you know the dominant force that she once was but she has had the same caddy basically her entire career and Brad Beecher and he's he's an fun Australian guy and you know I always think it's interesting when you look at these these players you know you see a lot of top players change caddies all the time and when you when when a Hall of Famer stays with the same guy you know, for her entire career, win seven majors. You know, there's got to be something to that. If it's working and you have a bad week or a little bad stretch, it's probably not the other guy. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I just I just think it's a great example of, of a wonderful partnership that continues to flourish. All right, here's, here's a very important question. Do you subscribe to Peacock Premium? Uh-oh. <laughs> I think my husband does. Yeah. Well, I'm always like, do we have this? And then he'll like send me a code, you know, because you said like, I'm trying to watch something and I can't watch it. and I'm really mad. And then, but the USGA though, their events now this year have been free on Peacock. So like the senior women's open is going to be on Peacock here coming soon. Normally I would rant about that, but it's free. Well, the, I get that question so many times because I'm always like beating the drum about go watch the ladies. And then someone texts me back and they go, it's on Peacock Premium. So I knew that you'd get that inside joke. It's it's funny. It's annoying. Um, Brutal. Um, Favorite major site this past year? Favorite major site? Um, you know, I, how do you not pick Muirfield, right? I mean, it was the iconic moment. So, um, in the women's game, definitely Muirfield. But I mean, I, my, I got Pebble Beach circled on my calendar. Like, I, we we can't get there fast enough next year. <laughs> well, take your time. Take your time. All right. Speaking of taking her time, uh, will Lexi win another major championship? Oh my goodness! Uh, you know, can we all? We all hope so. I mean. I, for, for her own mental health, right? You know, and I mean, goodness, the golf gods owe her, owe her more than one at this point. Um, you know, I, I, I feel like Lexi remains one of the most resilient characters I've ever seen. Uh, she's just, uh, she just always comes back. She always gets up off the floor. Now, I would say on a negative note, I wish she'd change more. I wish she'd find a different mental coach or a different approach, something, because it's not working on the back nine Sunday down the stretch, clearly. So um, there needs to be something, something's got to give. But I will never question her resiliency or her courage. That's for sure. Biggest surprise winner of 2022. Ashley Buhai, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, I, it's, I mean, it's a recency bias, right? But um, but Ashley was not on anyone's radar whatsoever coming into this event, and 
and, you know, I mean, she was ranked 80-something in the world and and had never won on the LPGA, been out there more than a dozen years. And, and you know, it was, it, was, it was shocking, really. You know, you and I were both there at Congressional, and we saw NG Chun on Thursday shoot, what, 64? No one saw huh. that coming. So, I mean... I could I could counter with that, but it's tough for me to to go against Ashley at Muirfield. There's no doubt about that. All right, one more for you. Who is the best woman player in the world right now? Menji Lee. I mean, Jen Young Ko might be number one on paper, but it's a two year window in the rolling Rolex Rolex rankings, <laughs> and uh, and Jen Young hasn't been able to crack an egg for a while now. So uh, it's definitely Menji. You know what? When I think of the LPGA and who's the best in the world, I think of you, Beth Ann Nichols. I can't thank you enough for spending all this extra time with us this afternoon on the pro show. This has been fantastic. It has exceeded my expectations for a little bit of a midseason check-in with the ladies of golf. So thank you so much. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> Here we go, folks. You know we're running quick into 4 p.m. and it's fast approaching. Thanks for listening to ESPN 920. Be back in a few with Closing the Show. The Max Kellerman Show. You know, there was no one there like, hey, where's that guy we just hired? He just stopped showing up suddenly 15 years ago. So he got away with it, 650 Gs. And now he's being sued. I don't know. I, you can't just not show up for work. But, but if he's not, like, doing anything fraudulent and they're just sending him the checks, I mean, why wouldn't he just deposit it in his account? The Max Kellerman Show, weekdays at 2 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Watch exclusively on ESPN+. Plus. The Stick and Act Challenge app is available now for iOS. Now, the Challenge app is like no other golf game out there. It takes the focus off of your final score and instead turns you around into a collection of challenges, objectives, and accomplishments. With more than 90 unique challenges to choose from, you'll never have the same experience twice. And if that's not enough, you can also challenge friends or strangers to see who comes out on top. Plus, with an XP system that rewards your successes, you'll be motivated to keep pushing yourself further. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out with the game, the Stick and Act Challenge app is the perfect way to add some extra fun to your golf game. Get ready for the back nine. As the pro show continues, once again, the director of fun, Keith Stewart. Welcome back to the pro show on ESPN 920. Thank you for tuning in this afternoon. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. Oh, this is my Friday anthem. Let's go, Wade. You know what I'm a chicken fry. Cold beer on a Friday night, a pair of jeans that fit just right, and the radio. Let's get to these PSAs real quick. You know the podcast will be posted on all platforms, Spotify, Podbeam, iTunes, you got them all. Of course, if you want to listen to us anywhere, you got to get to 920 ESPNNewJersey.com and hit that Listen Now button. And if you want to listen to something, you want to listen to Read the Line, get to ReadTheLine.com, subscribe there. And if you love a little social media fun, hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at KJStewartPGA, having tons of fun there like we are with this song. Turn it up for me. It's Friday there, Mr. Wade Weezer. And a little bit of chicken fry. Oh, yeah. Cold beer on a Friday night. Does it have to be Friday night? It's going to be Friday afternoon, like, you know, close to four-ish. Hey, man, we're in the PM. Let's roll with this, huh? Come on now. This is great. Man, you got to love a little Zach Brown band, that's for sure. All right, you know what else you got to love? 
You gotta love for a little pro show update, my friend. That's right. In honor of the temporary restraining order hearing from live players Taylor Gooch, Matt Jones, and Hudson Swafford versus the PGA Tour, we have the top 10 moments. <laughs> You just you just can't wait for these, my friend. I'm telling you. Number 10, Judge Beth Labson Freeman. Mentioned her in the opening. She was a superstar this week. Holy moly. Well, she opened the proceedings with a pop culture reference. I, this is this is a quote. Did Top Gun Maverick really happen or did Tom Cruise die in the opening scene? And is the rest a fever dream? Well, I mean, that's deep right there. That is D. That's some Jacob's Ladder stuff right there. Oh, man. I don't know if that, I don't know what side that favored in the opening there, but um, anyway. All right. How about number nine? Live lead attorney Robert Walters refers to the FedEx Cup playoffs as the Super Bowl of golf. Really? Oh, yeah. Hey. <laughs> It's that time of year, my friend. It's that time of year. I don't know. I don't know. Number eight, live lawyers refer to the Arnold Palmer Invitational in Ohio. Well, you know, I mean, it's in Florida, but I guess they got Arnold Palmer's name, right? I don't know, man. I keep, this is all, this was all happening. So I had a media access to go watch the zoom online on Thursday or on Tuesday evening. And oh man, was this the entertainment value in those two hours was unbelievable. All right. How about this one? How about this bombshell? Walters again, as he tried to make a case for his plaintiffs, plaintiffs needing the FedEx cup money, the money players won in live tournaments is recouped against the live contracts. So in layman's terms, if you go and win four million like Henrik Stenson did two weeks ago, uh, it actually goes against his contract money. So say if he signed for 50 million, right, he's not actually getting 54 million. And this was something that everyone brought up in the press conferences and all the players basically said, no, 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 that's on top of, well, in the court of law, you know, they put their hand on the Bible and all of that stuff. So there you go, Mr. Wade Weezer. That was a little bit of a bombshell there the other day. This was guaranteed. <laughs> the, the contract is we're guaranteeing you to make this amount of money. Yes. But if you earn four million, you're not getting that extra four million. Right. It goes to the, the, the 50 or whatever you get you signed for. Correct. Correct. All right. Number six. During the break, when Judge Babson Freeman left the court to make her ruling, the live lawyer team left their mics on and criticized themselves for some of their arguments during the hearing. At one point, you can hear Brandel Chambly's name mentioned. And I mean, you remember Naked Gun? Sure. You know? Oh, man. <laughs> you can't believe it. Hot mics everywhere. That's you know. hilarious. The hot mic gets, it gets everybody. Yeah, exactly. You did blow it, right? <laughs> number, number five, I got to give a shout out to my man from CBS, Kyle Porter on Twitter. So this is a quote that, or a tweet that he put out. This lawyer for Liv is speaking about and explaining the complicated relationship between the majors, the official world golf rankings and the FedEx Cup like he just learned about all of it three weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> he just learned himself. He just figured it all out. He, he took uh, a course, crash yeah. course. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, let's get to number four. Uh, live lawyers refer to his clients as three poor little kids. Um, okay. 
just wow. for just what? just just to set the record straight, since we are in the courtroom, um, plaintiff number one, Matt Jones, is forty-two and he has earned seventeen point three million on tour. Uh, plaintiff number two, Hudson Swafford, is thirty-four and has earned nine point six million on tour. And plaintiff number three, Taylor Gooch, is thirty and has earned nine point one million on tour. So the average age is thirty-five, and combined, they've earned thirty-six million dollars on tour. Liar, liar, jeans on fire. (laughs) I mean, come on. What are those guys thinking when the lawyer says three little kids? You know? Shut up, shut up. Yeah, exactly. That's what they're saying. Number three. All the while this is going on, a story breaks that number two ranked player in the world, Cam Smith, is leaving for live. Now, it comes out of one of these. It comes out of the Telegraph, which is over in London, right? Right, right. Um, He's down in Memphis playing in stage one of the FedEx Cup playoffs, and he has a press conference in Memphis while the hearing is taking place, at which time they ask him the question, are you leaving for live? And he says, well, I tell you what, I'm just here to win the FedEx Cup playoffs. (laughs) Then they said, well, do you plan on playing in the President's Cup? And he says, yes. Well, the President's Cup takes place after the next live event. So I guess more on this to come in future weekly updates. I don't know. But it it was really kind of it was almost surreal as one thing's happening in Memphis. Another thing's happening out in San Jose in this trial, which was the trial itself, as you could tell already. All right. Number two. Number two. He had no clue that information was out there. (laughs) I I think he. Well, I mean, I I don't know what to say. I don't know. I mean, all of this was happening and I was just taking it all in. I wish I could have recorded it or streamed it on YouTube or something. I was like Trump uh, 400 times. uh, He basically did. He basically did. All All right. All right. Number two, Judge Beth rules in favor of the PGA Tour, citing the plaintiffs failed to prove the players were caused irreparable harm by being blocked from playing in the FedEx Cup playoffs. Right. Okay. Couple points there. Number one, players receive money in their signing bonuses with Live to make up for their losses in not being able to play in the FedEx Cup. Oh well, you know they did, and then she also cited Part B. The players knew the possible consequences when they left. The PGA Tour obviously clearly stated, if you go do this, there will be consequences, and there were consequences. Believe it or not. So, Judge Beth, in the temporary restraining order hearing. She ruled in favor of the PGA Tour. Now, in the big lawsuit for antitrust between Liv and the PGA Tour, we're going to get to number one in my favorite point of the entire hearing. Because we all live in this world where all these things are happening at such a rapid pace. You know, this TikTok culture we have there, Mr. Wade Weezer. Number one, closing the hearing, Judge Beth offered counsel possible dates for the actual trial on the antitrust lawsuit. First, there was an opening in 2023, or they could schedule more dates in 2025. (laughs) Wow. We're booked. 2024 is booked. It's just booked out. Yeah. She's like, we can squeeze you in in later 2023, or we're wide open in 2025. That's how I feel when I get a dentist appointment at a new dentist. (laughs) It's just for cleaning. Unbelievable. Century. All right. I guess I'll be clear for either. Well, the, the council quickly reacted from Liv and they took uh, August, September of 2023, depending on uh, schedules and such of, of the court out there in San Jose. And that is your pro show update. The top 10 moments from the temporary restraining order hearing 
for the week ending August 12th, 2022. Oh man. Uh, I wish that hearing happened every week again. Just <laughs> I could come the new Saturday Night Live. Get that off the air and just make this every week. Oh, I mean, Twitter was just on fire. And one of the tweets was Saturday Night Live better do uh, <laughs> a version of this to open Saturday Night Live. So I'll be tuned into that tomorrow night for sure, just in hopes that they do. And uh, you know what else I'll be tuned in to the pro show every week just to hear your masterful work there, Mr. Wade Weezer, and to hear from our sponsors, Taylor Made Golf, the New Jersey Golf Foundation. Hey, man been a great week it's been a little hot looks like uh, better weather's coming over the weekend and uh, I look forward to catching up with you again next week so before I go I'm gonna leave you all with one brief thought that's my listeners who you know I love about gratitude people always ask if the glass is half empty or half full how about just appreciating the glass I'm your host Keith Stewart and this is the pro show The Pro Show with Keith Stewart returns to the tee next Friday at 3 p.m. on ESPN 920.